Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, here are the trades that happened today. The Montreal Canadiens get Jordy Ben from the Dallas Stars for Greg Patteron and a fourth-round pick. The Toronto Maple Leafs adding some size, face-off prowess, experience. Brian Boyle from the Tampa Bay Lightning for Byron Froze and a second-round pick. you got to remember when talking about trades, too, the Oilers do not have a second-rounder this year. Ottawa gets Alex Burroughs from Vancouver. He's going to turn 36 in April. There are reports that he'll sign a two-year extension tomorrow. And uh, Vancouver gets Jonathan Dallin, who the Senators took in the second round, 42nd overall in the 2016 draft. A pretty highly thought-of prospect. So those are the deals that happened today. Of course, Bishop to the Kings last night. Hansel to the Minnesota Wild last night as well as uh, the Oilers were getting beat 5-4 by the Nashville Predators. Oilers and Blues tomorrow night. 6 o'clock for the start of the game here on 6.30, Chet. Our coverage will commence with the face-off show at 4.30. That is the end of the Oilers' six-game road trip. Then they start an eight-game homestand. Eight-game homestand on Saturday against the Detroit Red Wings and obviously their uh, success or lack of it on that homestand will go a long way towards determining where they finish when it comes to playoff seating. All right, you can text 630-630. We've got more trade talk ahead on the show. We'll also be joined by Buckets Blakes from the Harlem Globetrotters. They're playing at Northlands Coliseum on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that interview. But you know it's a great show when you're pleased to welcome the greatest curler of all time to the airwaves, it is Kevin Martin. Kevin, you're on with Reed. How have you been, man? Hi, Reed. Oh, good to talk to you. I'm doing just fine. Yeah, I haven't uh, talked to you in a little while. Last talked, I think, was it when I was doing that documentary on Rexall Place? I think it was. That was the last time we actually talked. That's far I too believe long. So. That's a while ago now, absolutely. Yeah, far too long. How, how's uh, how's life? Do you, by the way, do you curl at all? Are you doing like uh, <laughs> the Tuesday night, uh, you know, beer and pretzels league, or what's going on? <laughs> I exa- I do the Tuesday night uh, beer league, but in hockey, not curling. Yeah, so, no, I haven't curled a game in, uh, geez, almost three years now, actually. No way. You've just left it behind playing-wise, eh? Playing-wise, yeah. I was still pretty involved, though, with uh, between... Uh, coaching and teaching and academies and commentary and so on so he's still pretty involved in the game but uh, no no we switched the old slider in for hockey blades but don't get me wrong it's it's, it's not good hockey 
Okay. Bad <laughs> odds. You, so. you, 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 would, you, you would not be able to compete for a playoff spot in the NHL. That's, that's, so we'll, we'll put that. Let's, let's get things straight here. That's right. And, and we want to talk about your coaching because obviously, and I had Brendan Botcher on the show last week, so I want to talk about that. But I mean, look, I, I, I've been interviewing athletes most of my adult life, and I know how competitive they are and how you know that's part of their drive and, and what keeps them going. I'm assuming the Tuesday night hockey isn't overly competitive. So, are, do, you, are, do you still have things that that satisfy that that drive and that you know that want to be the best? Well, I think so. And, and uh, you know, obviously, with me, we've got lots of irons in the fire, always uh, diff- different things. But as far as coaching goes, it's uh, it's been really fun. Um, got involved with the team a little bit in the fall, but uh, but really coaching at almost. Uh, on a daily level since December, and uh, you know what? It's it's been a lot of fun. Um, the guys have really uh, bought into uh, the way. You know, obviously, Jules Ochar was my coach for thirty years, and and known to be the best coach in in, uh, in curling's history. And, and he's coaching Goosey actually at the Briar this year. But his thought was always about let's get the technical proper. Let's let's shoot ninety percent. Let's not worry about all the other stuff. You know, and and that's true. When you play in a national championship and after a week of play, if your team is around the 90% level shooting, you'll be in the mix for playoffs. It's just simple math. And, you know, that's what I've tried to bring to this team, understanding that, hey, guys, don't worry if you're playing Gushu or Cooey or Jacobs or, or who it is. If you shoot 90, you'll be close. And that's what we've worked really hard on the last three months, trying to mechanically get so solid that, it can withstand the uh, the pressure that's going to happen in, in St. John's. Well, that's some great advice because, let's face it, Kevin, we live in a society now where a lot of even hardcore sports fans don't watch an entire game. And if you see curling highlights, you're either going to see two or three incredibly good shots or two or three misses in a 40-second highlight package. But you're saying don't worry about those. You got to execute all the little detail, unspectacular shots along the way. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, make how we always used to say, just make the simple ones, and there aren't many tough ones. You miss a few of the simple ones, man. Oh man, the, the last ones get awfully difficult. And that, you know that's what we try to work on. Make the simple ones, and things will come along nicely. So. Uh, you know, it went obviously very well in provincials. Uh, the, the team played above 90% pretty much every game. Um, and now it's a matter of trying to do that at, at the Briar. But that's a different stage. You know, this is this, uh, this team and, and these players, the first uh, visit to a Briar for these guys. And uh, being in St. John's, Newfoundland, the crowd is going to be full and very, very loud. Yeah, well, <laughs> And all about Gushu. Right. So that's a good point. <laughs> Kevin Martin joining us inside Sports on 630 Chat. Okay, so you're coaching the uh, rink skip by Brendan Botcher. He told me uh, some of his story, and I know your son plays on, on that rink as well. But let's let's start with uh, Brendan. And uh, it was funny, Kevin, because I've been reading about him for years, and I don't think I'd ever interviewed him before. So he's been up and coming. He did great in university. He did great in junior. What What is it about Brendan that has allowed him to, to separate himself as a skip from some of the other younger guys in the province? Yeah, well, I think one of the main things is uh, what Brendan's been good at since he was even, you know, going back to 14, 15 years old, uh, being able to draw. Um, you know, a lot of times young people can hit real well, but the soft game it takes time to come. 
And and Bren's a little bit different that way. He's he's always been able to draw, you know. And now he's been working on the hit game. But as you know, to win big things, win important games, you have to be able to draw. And that's something that's been natural to him. Um, you know, he's a very very intelligent young person, so he's been able to catch on to the strategy of the game. You know, maybe a little bit sooner than than uh, than some people may have. But I think the reason for his early successes, including in men's. But he's only 25. You know, he's still just a kid. Yeah. And uh, but has won quite a bit and has been around. But it's certainly his ability to draw that has uh, that has led to his early success for sure. So strategy wise, I, I mean, uh, you know, the top skips are known for being willing to try stuff and, and maybe see things that other players wouldn't think are there. And I asked him last week, you know, does Kevin ever suggest something that that kind of blows your mind where you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even think that was a possible shot. Uh, is that is that an element to your relationship or, or what's your your side of that story? Well, yeah, you know, and we do have some of those uh, discussions. I actually came in the dressing room after one of the games in Provincials, and, uh, you know, I said, great game, you guys, and I gave them the percentages of what they shot. I said, but, man, oh, man, you guys call some interesting shots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's funny. When you've been around the game for, for a thousand years and, and, and watched all these different players, and Brendan's very young, so he hasn't experienced like a Kevin Cooley or a Gushu you know, you call something and then all of a sudden it's, you know, oh my goodness, you fall into a trap. And that happens again and again in different ways. So you've seen all this stuff. At 25 years old, you haven't been in enough trouble yet. You, you, haven't, you haven't lost enough games because of a skipping blunder. And that'll happen over the years. And so it's kind of funny. Some of the calls that uh, they make, I get a kick out of. And, uh, you know, and that's just part of it. That's just part of growing. And uh, and I'm really enjoying that part, actually. And so we have a really good discussion at the end of the games, you know, as to, oh, I really like that call. Why'd you call it? Wow, how'd you call that one? How, yeah. That was very interesting. And, you know, and that, you know, and just try to uh, discuss that type of stuff at the end of the game, just so that, uh, you know, like you say, um, Things that don't really come to his mind yet. They are, there aren't any rules in chess or in curling. You right. can play any way you want to, right. to get to the, the end result. And and curling's like that. There there aren't there isn't just one solution, but it's more of a a two hour strategic ploy. And that's something that has to be done in curling. And and a lot of times young people think one shot at a time, not maybe an hour ahead. Right. Okay. Kevin Martin joining your your son. I got to apologize. Is it Carrick or Carrick? Carrick. Carrick. Like car wreck. Okay. Uh, now, what's it what's it been like uh, coaching him? Do you, do you enjoy the the father son relationship as well as being his coach, or how does it all work out? Yeah, you know what that that's been pretty easy. That's that's not a problem. Um, like obviously we've worked together for quite some time, one on one, you know, on the yeah. ice and throwing a few rocks and that kind of stuff. That's no problem. Um, but but I think that, you know, for Carrick, he just sort of approached me this year and said, you know, Dad, I could probably use a little bit more help. And and, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, coaching your, your your son or your daughter is kind of a natural thing to do, and uh, and it's been no problem. And, and a lot of the big events, um, not the Briar or, or Worlds, but Provincials or any of the Grand Slams or Tour events, I'm usually in the booth. So, you know, that is kind of a bonus that I, you know, I, I've watched many of... Uh, of Carrick's and Team Botcher's games over the last three, four years on tour. So, it, it, you know, it does uh, help a little bit, I think, that that most of the time I'm, I'm at the events and, 
and can usually talk to them about a, a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And, I'll, uh, and now I'm just getting a little bit more involved. But, you know, with that being said, it's uh, I'm probably not the right guy to be the coach all the time because, like I say, I am always in the booth for any of the sports net stuff. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, one last one for you then is, uh, I mean, look, we know what the Briars, like you and I and dozens of other curlers have done interviews on how difficult the Briar is. You touched on the grind on, you know, maintaining your technique and all that kind of stuff. What else can they do to to prepare? What do you see as as their level of preparation for for next week? How are you feeling as the coach going in? Yeah, you know what? The... Uh the last couple of days, they've been throwing the rock very, very well. So I think uh, uh, technically, they're really sound. Uh, they're really, really excited, obviously. And that's something, you know, we, we definitely want to try to tone down <laughs> between now and, and Saturday's game against uh, against Gushu. But, you know, I, I think they're in a good spot. Um, they've played all these teams a lot on tour. And it's just, you know, Alberta is a very difficult province to get out of. It was nice that Kevin Cooey's already in the Briar, so we didn't have to play him. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now it's a matter of uh, going there and, and trying to get to, I think the magic is 8-3. and three. That's kind of the magic number to hit the playoffs. 9-2 and two probably gets you into the 1-2 game. So that's got to be the goal. And, uh, you know, one thing, Reed, is, um, which is kind of lucky, is that you play Gushu first, but the first two or three days, the schedule has been a, is a little bit uh, not soft with competitors, but soft time-wise. Mm-hmm. Where and the and in the Briar, you have to play four games back to back to back to back at some point, and that happens with uh, with with our team Tuesday, Wednesday, and that's I think that's a really good thing for a young team uh, like you say a bunch of rookies to come into the Briar, play Gushu first, but then in the first couple of days have those four games in a row. That would be really difficult. So luckily, we don't have that four games in a row till midweek, and I think that's a real benefit. All right. Well, that's that's uh, it's going to be fun playing Gushu in that very first matchup. Hey, uh, you got fans. Your old neighbor Vinny is texting into the show and says oh, hi. <laughs> oh, that's great, Vinny. You know, he was always uh, always played a ton of basketball in front of the house. I'll tell you with the kids. Oh, geez, was he any good? <laughs> well, yeah, pretty darn good actually. Yeah, yeah. Vinny, Vinny's a pretty big boy. Okay, well, there you go. He's texted in to say hi. So there's a nice way to reconnect. Kevin, it's always great to talk to you. I, I, I'm really uh, I'm really looking forward to following, well, I guess both Alberta rinks because we got to give Cooey his credit as well. But uh, Brendan and, and, and Karik and the guys have been a great story as well, and good for you for jumping into the coaching with them. So all the best, and we'll talk to you again soon, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Reed. That is Kevin Martin checking in Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Love having Kevin on the show. It's uh, long overdue to get him back on the airwaves for sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I love how he described what he works on with the team and, and worrying about – because so much of curling on the highlights, Warren Mulvey's on the other side of the window today. I mean, I, I like watching the big event curling when it gets down to this time of year. Um, I didn't uh, – though I will admit I didn't watch the Scotties final because I was here doing uh, the end of the hockey game. And then I watched the uh, the Oscars with a couple of friends. Talk about a dramatic finish there. But, yeah, I mean, so much of curling is you see the spectacular shot or what the skip does, and, and he just says, make all the shots, and then you don't leave yourself a difficult shot at the end, right? You leave yourself in a better position. So it's not highlight reel coaching, but I think some pretty solid advice. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I'll catch up on a couple of texts. And then we're going to have between, this is going to be great, from the Harlem Globetrotters, Buckets Blakes. That's at 730 tonight.
Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Texter to 636.30, Scott says, uh, go and get Evander Kane. I would move Everly, uh, Everly to Buffalo instantly for Kane. Size, speed, grit, and skill. People question his character, but I bet looking over at Lucic would keep him in check. Question is, would Buffalo do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the there always seems to be an issue with Evander Kane, so I guess that would be a concern. And uh, I wrote that back to uh, Scott on the text line who uh, said, I agree, but there are also concerns about Cassie, and it's all in how the group deals with him, and maybe another guy that gets the old, this is your last chance in the league type thing. Uh, that was a text to 630, 630. Uh, This texture says, hey, Reed, me and my buddy are ice fishing in the middle of nowhere. We're just laughing our butts off at the caller who said Eberly for Doan. Ha, 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 you need to screen your calls. Hey, all suggestions are welcome. I would I would not trade uh, Jordan Everly for Shane Doan. I just don't, I, guys. I just don't think that that's going to happen now. And I, I know that's like a bummer for a lot of you. I know that's not what you want to hear. But all I can do is go on what usually happens around this time of year and what Peter Shirelli has said, and what Peter Shirelli has done in the past. His his major moves have generally been in the off season, right? Traded for Cam Talbot in the off season. Traded Taylor Hall in the off season. Right now, I know the maroon trade looks like a fairly major trade because of how it's turned out, but I don't think any of us were calling it that magnitude of a deal when it happened. Right? I mean, I don't know, maybe somebody out there thought maroon was going to come in and score 20 this season. I didn't. Right? So, uh, I, I think that's probably the type of player they're going to add. There, yeah, I mean, there'll probably be some kind of minor league depth deal along the way, but uh, but we'll see. All right, uh, 780-496-0063. Somebody just texted in Shattenkirk to Washington, and I have seen nothing about that. I've been seeing that the uh, Rangers are probably the front runner for Shattenkirk. But uh, I'm just following along with Twitter like a lot of you probably. There is a uh, unconfirmed report of Shattenkirk to Washington, so we'll keep an eye on that. It's been put out by Jeremy Rutherford, who covers the Blues, and uh, he's pretty trustworthy. But uh, there is nothing confirmed. That's all I can tell you. Rutherford reports, I believe the Blues do have a trade in place for Washington. It sounds like he's going to Washington. So Okay, so that's the latest on that. Thanks to that texter who also says, Shattenkirk to Washington. Do we have a new Golden State Warriors in the NHL? <laughs> That's an interesting comparison. I don't think uh, any NHL teams, what were they, they went, was it 73-9 and nine last year, Warren? They beat the Bulls record by a game? Yeah, it was, it was outstanding. Yeah, all right. Uh, what am I going to do here? Oh, I'm going to do your scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310 Glass today. The Devils lead the Canadians 3-2 with six minutes left. The Lightning lead the Senators 4-1 after two. And the Kings in the Wild are tied 2-2 halfway through the second period. All right, we'll keep an eye on uh, what's going on with a potential trade. That's an interesting one. The Oilers did not practice today. We did have assistant coach Jim Johnson on earlier in the show. Remember, go to the Inside Sports page on 630shed.com to listen to past interviews 
reviews or just sign up for the Inside Sports podcast. We're now at 20 subscribers. <laughs> That's 20 more subscribers than I have. Well, you're part of it. You're part of Inside Sports. Oh, fair enough. I guess me personally, I want 20 subscribers. Well, how many Twitter followers do you have? Well, probably 20 or less. <laughs> Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on it, but I, I don't gotta, have anyone subscribing. I gotta find you and follow you. Oh, oh. that sounds creepy, doesn't it? I'm gonna. F- <laughs> that's that's the problem. Twitter makes us say all these things that sound terrible. I'm gonna find you and follow you. Uh, the scoreboard, by the way, was bike for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310 Glass today. This is going to be fun. Buckets Blakes from the Harlem Globetrotters when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, so uh, unconfirmed reports that the uh, Washington Capitals are close to acquiring defenseman Kevin Shattenkirk from the St. Louis Blues. We'll keep an eye on that. Hey, the Edmonton Oil Kings season is winding down. They got four home games in March. We have uh, two two-pack vouchers to go to the game of your choice. So we'll give those away to callers number one and number three at 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. The Harlem Globetrotters are playing at Northlands Coliseum on Saturday afternoon. I'm pleased to be joined by one of the Globetrotters, Buckets Blakes. Buckets, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Great to meet you. First of all, uh, I mean, you got one of the best names in the business, right? Buckets Blakes. Your <laughs> you, parents you, really you knew you were going to be a basketball player. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know. You should see my birth certificate. It's like, you know, outlined in gold. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, let, let me ask you, who, who started calling you Buckets? Where did that come from? Actually, um, uh, coaches and teammates. Um, uh, I, when I first got on the team, um, it was just A.B., Anthony Blakes. Um, but then, you know, scoring a lot of baskets in a hurry. Guys, that's kind of how they get their names. They earn them on the teams. Some come with names. Some of my teammates come with uh, their own nicknames. But uh, I earned mine from scoring a lot of baskets in a hurry. And uh, it, it, it fits now. I'm making crazy shots all over the place. I'm going to get this Book of World Records for the most underhand half-court shots made in a minute. And uh, it, it's perfect. I like to score, but despite the name, I like to play defense, too. All right. Well, okay. I want to ask you about that, but but let's let's stick with the nickname for a second here. So, is your specialty then the the long range shot? Shall we say you can score from anywhere on the floor or the world? We want to talk about that too. Uh, I know, right? No, I can I I can score. Um, long range shots are fine, but. I, I can get down and dirty in there underneath the basket as well. Um, most people don't know this, but I led my um, uh, college team at University of Wyoming. My junior year, I led the team in rebounds. So uh, despite being you know, 6'2", I could still get up there with the, the, with the trees and get some rebounds. All right, so what's the secret to rebounding when you're not a taller guy? Because I'm sure there's a lot of kids listening, and they feel like, oh, man, I'm going to be too small to play sports, right? Well, I can jump. Is one of the things too, but also uh, you got to box them out before they even jump. You put your butt on their knees and they can't jump, you know. And it's legal, so you just back up into their knees. Be, uh, you, I'm I, I'm great at anticipating where the ball's gonna go as well. So when somebody releases it, instead of watching the ball, I go find a person, a man, uh, on defense to box out, and then 
I can let the ball hit the ground because he's not going to get to it. He can't jump because my butt's on his knee. So, boom, it drops right in front of me. There you go. Right. No. So that's work ethic. That's that's being willing to exactly push for an extra little effort while another guy might be watching the ball in the air, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It helps, especially when you're a little guy. There's so much I want to ask you, but let's talk about one of your highlights here. Um, and I'm going to tweet out the, the link to it as well for people that haven't seen it. This was just back in December, December 6th. This is the the highest basketball shot ever taken. Tell, tell and, me about this and yes. how that felt when it went in. Oh, the highest shot in North America off the Tower of the Americas in San Antonio, Texas. Um, World Trick Shot Day, December 6th, which is actually my birthday. So what a great uh, um, present to myself for making the shot. Um, it was pretty awesome. Um, I've made shots from 100 feet, 200 feet, 300 plus feet, but 583 feet, um, I got a call from uh, uh, Vice President of Communications from the Globe Charters office and a couple of people in the PR department and uh, some marketing directors as well, and they were like, hey, we got a shot for you, and we think you're the one to take it, you know? And I was like, what is it? And they were like, it's off the Tower of the Americas in San Antonio, Texas. And I was like, let's do it. So... Um, they actually have a drone follow me up. I'm in the elevator, and the elevator faces outside. The drone follows me all the way up to the top. And then uh, they have to, it's protocol. When I come through this little gate, they put the harness on me, and I got to clamp onto the wire. And uh, actually, the wire had a little too much slack, so I had them tighten that up. You just don't, you don't get to see that in the video. I'm like, hey, they were like, oh, you won't fall all the way, you'll just dangle. I said, well, I don't want to dangle. <laughs> From 583 feet, blame you. 583 feet, 8 inches. You got to put that 8 inches in there because every inch matters, especially when you, if you are going to dangle. So, <laughs> um, actually, so when I took the first shot, it, um, I already knew to use backspin because I had shot from 300 feet before. Okay. The closer you are to the basket, like when you're above it, the more direct the shot is. The higher you are, the ball actually starts to curve if it has backspin. Or it'll curve. Front spin, it'll go. Um, backspin, it goes out in front of you. Front spin, it curves behind you. Okay. So, so already, you have to get it to go out a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So I already knew how to shoot the shot. Well, um, I was like, okay. The first one went right by the side of the backboard. And I was like, okay, you can't make too much of an adjustment by turning too far to the right if it goes to the left of the backboard. You just shoot it the same way because, like, centimeters and all that stuff match, as you could tell, having an uh, education in the United States. Um, <laughs> um, but it, the second one, boom, went in, and we all went nuts. You can hear our VP of uh, communications down there. It's like, he made it. He made it. And I could see it going in. I was like, oh, get in the hole. That's it. That's it. You can hear me talking. Uh, like I said, I'll tweet out the video because it's, it's, it's crazy. And when I saw it, I really noticed the spin because when you first let go, Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, he's, he's 20 feet off. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it just yeah. swoops right towards <laughs> yeah. it. So second, you, second try, you got it. Yeah, second shot. If you, if you look at my hand when I release it, I flicked it pretty fast. Like, I, as soon as I let it go, I was like, all right, world trick shot day. Baby, let's get buckets. And I flicked it. And, like, you could see the backspin. Yeah. And then you flick it down because you know it's going to go forward. So you flick it kind of almost straight down. It's pretty awesome, though. And I'm not a physicist. 
Um, you know, nothing to do with physics. I, I studied psychology. So I could, that's what my degree's in. But after shooting all those high shots, um, I'll tell you a few places uh, that uh, you might be familiar with uh, since you're Canadian. Uh, you're Canadian, right? Yes, I am. Okay, you know, some, some Americans move up here and turn into Canadians, which is cool. But I made one from the... Um, the catwalk at the Maple Leaf, uh, old Toronto Maple Leaf Garden, yes. okay. way up there, 100 and something feet. I made one off the uh, Hershey Center in Mississauga. Right. I actually made one. Um, they didn't have a court up, so they pulled a, um, a basketball uh, court or goal onto the edge of the ice at the uh, Budweiser Center in London, Ontario, and they put a Zamboni just past half, uh, what do you call a hockey rink? The red line the is the red, middle. Half the red line. Yep. And I did a finger roll, like an underhand, one-handed underhand shot, all net. And there was a drone um, flying around and caught that one, too. So um, I made a lot of shots in in Canada, too, as well as the United States. That's amazing. Buckets Blakes from the Harlem Globetrotters in studio tonight. They're playing here on Saturday. Uh, So the team you play is the World All-Stars. Yes. The Washington Generals are... Retired, disbanded, whatever you want to I call it. I think they got sick of losing. They got sick. They beat us in 1971, though. <laughs> that was the one time. Yeah, I wasn't born. You it obviously wasn't my were- <laughs> Yeah, so, we, you know, you guys need to talk to Curly Neal and Geese Osby. Sweet Lou Dunbar was probably there. My coach, he's the one that had the big afro on the cartoon. Right. Yeah, he's he's coaching us now. He was probably there to take that L. Okay, so to tell lost. us tell us about the games them, themselves, because I think... Probably a lot of people, if they haven't seen the Globetrotters in person, they've probably seen them on television or mm-hmm. highlights or read about them. And I, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think there might be a perception where it's like, okay, it's just, you know, the Globetrotters run around and the other team's a bunch of patsies and there's no competition at all. Tell us what it's like once once you're actually out there. Well, the games are competitive and entertainment mixed. Um, and actually the opposing team has some of the best shooters that I've ever seen in the world. Um, They're matching us shot for shot with our four-point shot, which is 30 feet away from the basket, by the way. And um, also, you know, the the toughest transition one has to make coming from traditional basketball, so to speak, to globetrotter-style basketball is learning how to turn it on and turn it off. And that's what we have to, you know, talk to the rookies about because you have to get competitive. you got to run the score up a little bit so you can have some fun. Then you have to entertain. But sometimes the rookies are stuck in competitive mode, and you got to kind of run by them and give them a little nudge. They're like, hey, buddy, like, okay, it's over. Like, I, you know, maybe, maybe one of the uh, uh, world all-stars – got the best of one of your teammates on a couple of plays, right? But now it's time to entertain. So now you got to wait until that entertainment portion is over so you can get them back, you know, and try and dunk on them or shoot a shot in his face or something like that. But that's to flick that switch at any moment, the whole entire game, that's a tough transition. So for the fans out there who watch it, you're seeing competitive basketball coupled with entertainment, phenomenal athletes jumping out of the gym. Uh, Some people still think we use trampolines. No, we do not use trampolines. Um, Guys are phenomenal athletes and girls on our team. Um, You're going to see some amazing shots that we take from all over the place. Some are Guinness World Records. Um, Also, with the only professional team that not only allows you um and this costs a little extra but it's at the beginning of the game it's called magic pass to come down there's six to eight players on the court you get a chance to get the ball spent on your finger take a picture measure up your wingspan we actually put a uh um it's a sign that says try on a uniform um and uh you get to try on some 
triple, quadruple X shorts and jerseys and some size 20 shoes. One of my teammates wears a size 20. So oh, uh, you get to do that. And as well as um, one of our world-famous dribblers will take you through dribbling some cones. And then you get to take a shot on the big goals. And most kids don't get a chance to shoot on a professional court. Right. And um, not only that, this doesn't cost anything. We stay after the game and we sign autographs before we head into the locker room. So you get all of that, you know, and I think uh, what the tickets are starting at like 23 bucks or something like that. But um, you know, you can take the whole family, and for those two hours, we're guaranteeing you're not going to be thinking about anything else except what's going on on that court. How much does that mean to you? You know, as someone who obviously you've spent your life in basketball, and you mentioned you know playing in college, how much does that mean to you to just interact with fans? Um, you know what? It, it means a lot because I think that's why the Globetrotters have been around for 91 consecutive years. You know, we've had the opportunity to introduce the game of basketball to places around the world that didn't have any running water, any electricity. And uh, fortunately uh, for us newer generation, you know, those Goose Tatums and Marcus Haynes and Metalark Lemons and, and Geese Osbys and Curly Neals, they have it so that we're the home team everywhere we go. You know, we go to these other countries, and especially as a rookie, you show up to Dubai, and you're like, okay, um, how are they going to receive us here? Then you walk into the Dubai Tennis Stadium, and it's sold out because they've seen the Globetrotters years ago. Um, so to have that type of impact, it's a great feeling, man, to have a, such a relationship with your fans to where not only um, you get to play and perform for them and make them laugh, but you actually get to meet them after the game, you know, give them your sweaty headband or your sweaty wristband, <laughs> high fives and hugs. And we also visit over 400 schools a year, so we get down to communities doing anti-bullying, character education, um, um, uh, SPIN program, which stands for some playtime is necessary, encouraging kids to stay physically active for at least 60 minutes a day. And my favorite, visiting hospitals, it's called the Smile Patrol. Our whole goal is to get as many smiles out of the kids as possible, despite what they're in there for. So it's, it's you know, it's tough to be a Harlem Globetrotter because you're, you're on all the time even when you're at home and you got regular sweats on that doesn't have any branding on it and you're in produce and you're getting your bananas and your oranges and you know um you're you're a globetrotter you know and and people are like whispering and pointing oh, this guy he plays for the Harlem globetrotters you know so you can't you know you can't constantly be on imagine the you know the 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 psychology behind that to like not have you can't turn off until you get home you know and but we you know, we, we like it. We like the challenge. We accept the challenge, and it's a heavy torch to carry. But my teammates and I, we, we love our jobs, and we love making people happy. Buckets, can you stick around for another segment here? Because I want to ask a little bit more about how, how you've, you've you know made this uh, this journey in your life as well. You got a few more minutes? Yeah, I sure do. We're Sounds com- good. We're coming right back. Buckets Blakes from the Harlem Globetrotters in studio. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, great to have Buckets Blakes from the Harlem Globetrotters in studio. We do have some breaking news, though. So what uh, what we'll do is uh, we had a second part of the interview with Buckets Blakes coming up. We'll we'll uh, we'll do that on tomorrow's show, or I guess Wednesday's show uh, instead, to finish up his thoughts. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports, the Globetrotters, 2 p.m. Saturday at uh, Northlands Coliseum. The breaking story tonight, Kevin Shattenkirk traded to the Washington Capitals. Now, it doesn't look like it's completely finalized yet, but uh, a lot of speculation out there that he'll play for the Capitals tomorrow at MSG against the New York Rangers. 
Brendan Ulrich is the producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. It's on from noon to 2 every day here on 6.30. Chet, he is also an uh, unabashed Washington Capitals supporter. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. I'm out here golfing at Pebble Beach right now on a golf simulator. And I just found out the news that the Capitals got shot so I couldn't be happier. It's a pretty big deal. All right. Now, what, what do you have any uh, – I haven't seen anything. What do you think is going the other way? Well, I'm trying to, trying to figure that out. Um, you would think a high draft pick, maybe a prospect, a defensive prospect. Maybe someone like Madison Bowie, who is a, a pretty good defensive prospect, like Team Canada at the World Juniors, and uh, maybe that's a guy saying Lewis would want. I don't know. I mean, the Caps, as good as they have been for, for a long time, they've drafted well as a team, picking – in mowing the rounds. They've done a really good job of accumulating prospects. So I think this was a move they felt they had to make to, to finally get over that hump and maybe if it ends up being the Caps in Pittsburgh in the third round, maybe they feel shot towards the difference maker. All right. Well, this is interesting. I'm just keeping an eye on Twitter to see if there's any uh, yeah. anything about who is going the other way. I don't see anything. So does Shattenkirk immediately become the, the heavy minutes guy for the Capitals, or how do you see the depth chart breaking? I mean, obviously he's going to be one of their top guys, but just give us a sense of what you think about matchups and usage and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they have Carlson, they have Nathan, both those guys from all the way. I mean, it's Olsner as well as a good shutdown guy. So you would think he... I don't know. Like, is he better than John Carlson as, a, as an all-around defenseman? I don't know. I think offensively he, he may be. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how Bowie Trotz uses him. Does he put him ahead of Carlson on the top pair? Does he use him on a, on a second pair, maybe a sheltered role? Because Carlson can be a shutdown guy along with being uh, just an all-around type defenseman. Or Shattenkirk's, I think, a little more offensive. So I don't know if he can be that shutdown top pairing guy. Uh, it'll be interesting because I know in St. Louis, Petrangelo was a guy that logged uh, a lot of those uh, tough minutes against the top opposition. So you would think it's still going to be John Carlson, but Shattenkirk can maybe play uh, on the second pair and just sort of dominate the second matchups on other teams' offensive boards. All right, uh, Pierre Lebrun. I'm just going to make sure this isn't a fake account. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, tweeting out, he goes, Shattenkirk trade has other details, but main parts, I believe, first round pick in 2017, second round pick in 2018, and Zach's, uh, he wrote Ranford, but I think he means Sanford, right? Yeah. Uh, Zach Sanford going to the uh, Blues. Sanford, a second round pick in 2013, who has been, I want to say, mostly a minor leaguer. How many actual NHL games has he played? Don't think it's that I know he's many. Played a little bit this season. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's think he's played twenty sun games this season, but he has he hasn't stuck in the NHL yet to this point. So that looks like the trade, maybe with some other things uh, going on there. All right, so uh, we'll follow that. I know you and Bob will have more tomorrow, and of course you can listen to our six thirty Chet newscasts. The Inside Sports ends at eight here. You're gonna love this text, Brendan. All it says. Okay. Is Shirelli going to do anything before the deadline? <laughs> if we only had a nickel for every time we were asked that. Look, he will do something. I just don't think a high contract or high profile player is being moved out by one o'clock on Wednesday. I, I think he's gonna try to add a depth piece and maybe hope that player over you know, or not overperforms, but finds new life on a new team, kinda like adding Maroon last year. Well, it's funny because uh, when that Toronto trade broke today, when they got Brian Boyle, everyone was texting, texting in saying, okay, well, the Oilers are, uh, are in a growth mode, whereas Toronto is making moves here to bring uh, added pieces in. The thing is, though, Toronto had three second-round picks, and that's what the Oilers don't have. So I sort of wonder if Shirelli's really saying they want to 
played a first-round pick here to get what's out there. And right now, maybe there's nothing out there that makes you want to pull the trigger on moving that first-round pick. So maybe they have to get creative. Maybe they have to move someone like Brandon Davidson to get a second-round pick, and then they go out and maybe do something like that. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think is going to panic and just make a panic move. I think uh, if the right move comes along, they'll pull the trigger. But maybe you need to get creative and maybe move a piece off the roster to get a second-round pick first. Well, and we have seen Shirelli do things in combination, so we will have to keep that in mind as we count down towards the trade deadline. Hey, I'll let you get back to your uh, your golf game, buddy. I, I'm, I'm jealous. I wish I was there, even though it's just a, a simulator. A lot of fun, man. Yeah. We'll have to do one of these weekends. All right. See you soon. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Brendan Ulrich from Oilers Now checking in. And, uh, all right, so we'll keep an eye on the uh, Shattenkirk situation here. Again, keep it tuned to 630 Chad for our, uh, our our sportscast every half hour. It looks like Shattenkirk to the Capitals for a first-rounder this year, a second-rounder next year, and uh, Zach Sanford. Maybe more elements to that, but that appears to be the major parts. The other deals earlier today, Brendan referenced this one. Brian Boyle to Toronto for Byron Froze and a second rounder. Jordy Ben goes to Montreal. Dallas gets Greg Pattern and a fourth rounder. Ottawa gets Alex Burrows from the Canucks for Jonathan Dallin, who's a uh, well-thought-of second-round pick from 2016. The scores tonight, the Canadians rally to beat the Devils 4-3 in overtime. Kings and Wild tied 3-3 after two. The Lightning lead the Senators 4-1 in the third. For the Wild, no Parise, no Pominville. The Mumps has struck the Minnesota Wild. It hit, uh, hit Vancouver, obviously, last week, so that's a story to keep in mind. Tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock puck drop, Oilers and the Blues. The uh, full Jim Johnson interview is on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com if you missed that. Thanks to my producer, Dave Campbell, the studio producer, Warren Mulvey. My name is Reed Wilkins. Charles Adler tonight is next. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.